Welcome to Evangel Church. Our mission is to bring people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com. Last year, we started a theme uh, that's called The Least of These. And you can remember last year, we talked about uh, what it meant to have a heart for the least of these. And in these days that we are living, um, I believe that we are living in the times that Jesus talked about in, in Matthew chapter 25. He said that whenever you start to see these signs, you need to make yourself ready and be a prepared people because uh, the end is coming. And so we are believing for a time that Jesus will come back for us, that he hasn't left us alone, that we are longing for that day, and we see by what's happening in the world around us just the, the signs of the time that we are living in and during these times the best thing we can be is prepared and to be prepared means that we are doing exactly what Jesus has called us to do that we're not becoming distracted with anything else but that we have fixed our hearts on the mission that Jesus has called us to last week we had teen challenge here how many of you are blessed by the ministry of teen challenge that was with us and pastor Todd I uh, have not been able to look at a penny differently and if you haven't, uh, don't know what I, that means, and you don't have to go and watch the message online at evangelchurch.com. But uh, when I thought about what it means to pick up those pennies, uh, I went around all the convenience stores and started stealing from the take-a-penny jars. No, I, but I saw right afterwards, I was in a convenience store, and there were three little pennies there, and I just thought, how long have they been there? <laughs> no one wants them. And uh, they used to have that value. So many of those things from the message really stood out to me, and it highlights the importance of um, what Jesus said about the least of these. Because there are people that lived during Jesus' time, just like there are people that are living in our time, that would be called the least of these, the neglected, the forgotten, those that have been turned away from, those that have no hope. And Jesus, he came for them. He came to seek and save that which is lost. He came to set captives free. And so, what we're going to do as a church, we're going to continue to understand the heart of Jesus, the heart that he has to see the least of these come into a relationship with him. And the more we take this journey and the more that we put our focus here as a church, we are going to allow his heart to become our heart. I don't know if you've ever prayed a prayer like that before, but that's how I want to pray as we begin the message today. Lord, would your heart become my heart? Would my heart Break for the things that breaks your heart. Would my heart, Lord God, be devoted to the things that you desire? Would your will be accomplished in and through my life? And that starts with the heart. It starts in us and God doing a work inside of us. And so that will be my prayer. And as we turn together to the scripture for this morning, it's going to be in Matthew chapter 9. The gospel of Matthew chapter 9. And it's here, it's one of the examples in scripture that we see the heart of Jesus on display and the heart that he has for the least of these, especially. And many times in the life and ministry of Jesus, this was where he was. He was walking amongst people and as he was, he saw them differently than we see them and the world sees them. And something different was happening in his heart as well. And that's what we want to happen in our hearts. So join me in a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we pray for this word right now that a miracle would take place in every life, in every person that's listening. That, Lord, you would look into the depths of our hearts. And, Lord, each of our hearts are filled with many things. But, Lord, our prayer, for each one that will be bold enough to pray it, the prayer is, Lord, that your heart would become our heart. 
that, Lord, there would be a transplant that would take place. And the things, Lord, that, that don't please you would be removed from us, Lord God. And the things that have been distracting us would fall to the background. And we would just see clearly today, Lord, your heart. And we would walk in obedience, Lord God, to what you have called us to do and who you have called us to be. And so we pray that prayer knowing that you're a God who answers prayer. And Lord, we commit it to you. So come now by the power of your word and your Holy Spirit, change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. I mean, it was true through the life and ministry of Jesus that he saw those that no one else seemed to notice. And he chose to associate with those that no one wanted to associate himself, him, themselves with. Whenever you would think about this very idea that the good news is, the key part of the good news is that we didn't make ourselves good enough to get to God, but that in our brokenness and in our sin, God came to us. Jesus came to us. He came down. We're going to celebrate that next month, that Jesus came. And whenever the Son of God would come and enter into our lives and into our story, you would think, what kind of place is fit enough for the King of Kings? Not just for a king. Not just for your nice guests. Some of you, you have rooms in your house uh, that no one is ever allowed to sit in. You know about this if you're growing up. They created these things called second living rooms. And some of them have plastic over all the furniture, right? And like no one's allowed in there. And it's been that way for like 30 years. How many of you have a room like that? It's been like 20 years and no one good enough has come that is allowed to sit there. Maybe like the president has been in your home or like, no. My wife and I had that with um, some china whenever we got, got married. You get china. We didn't even get china. We just got really nice dishes. They weren't even China for that very reason. We're like, we'll never use them. We got the really, really nice dishes. You know what? After five years of marriage, no one was ever good enough for the nice dishes, I guess. <laughs> we had some great guests in our house. Uh, but eventually, we were like, you know, we need to get over this. <laughs> they're not there to be looked at. They're, ne- they're there to serve. And you know what? Whenever we have the opportunity now, they're coming out of there and they're being used. Um, and so, you know, that happens. So when you think about Jesus coming to earth, what would be the place that would be fit for him? The greatest palace wouldn't even do justice to the king of kings but he came into a manger was born into a mess he came right there into our mess and that was really what his ministry was all about he said I'm not here for the healthy I'm here for the sick I've come that the captives would be set free I've come those that have no hope would find hope in me I've come to seek and save that which is lost Jesus shares all about his heart It was for the least of these. It's for those that he sees differently than the world sees. And a part of him advancing the kingdom started right there. We see that clearly in Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 35. It says this, Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. And seeing the people, look at that phrase, seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. There's a few things that we learn here that Jesus, as he's going throughout all the cities and he's going throughout all the provinces, he's teaching, he's proclaiming the kingdom And he's healing every kind of sickness and every kind of disease. He's going and he's telling the good news and he's demonstrating the good news. 
He's showing and telling everywhere that he goes and people are seeing the hope of Christ. And as they're seeing him, you see people that had been long neglected, long forgotten, getting up in the name of Jesus and walking. People who were carried places on mats pick up their mats and walk away after an encounter with Jesus. And as that's happening, everywhere that he goes, we begin to learn a lot about his heart. The first thing we learn from here is that Jesus, he was devoted to reaching everyone everywhere. Get that. Get that with me because that's very important. He was devoted to reaching everyone everywhere. He would go to the places that no one else wanted to go. Whenever people would take hours of a journey to get around a place like Samaria, Jesus went right through it. Not because it was convenient, but because he was willing to be inconvenienced to see someone come into relationship with God, to save a life. Jesus was willing to go to everyone, everywhere. And that means all the way to the ends of the earth. John 3.16 says this, for God so loved that he sent his only son. Not some people, not the special ones, not even those who loved him back, but for the whole world. And I love that because you know what? There was a time in my life that I didn't love God. I didn't care to know God. And I'm so thankful that his son was sent into the world, even for me and my worst sin. And for you and your worst sin, you may think, well, yeah, he's sent for all the good people and all the people. No, he is sent so that the whole world would come to know him. And so Jesus was devoted to reaching everyone everywhere. And although he only had a finite time in his earthly ministry, he established it as such when he gave what is called the Great Commission so that his work would continue to the ends of the earth. And I want you to know something today. If you have ever sat with someone and you have led them in a prayer to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you know what you're doing? You're carrying on the work that Jesus began. Do you, do you know that? Have you realized? I'm, I'm just, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around that. That the Lord has entrusted his purpose to see people's lives change, to see people become disciples, followers of Jesus. And for each one of us that have taken part in that, and will take part in that one day, you're taking part in the ministry that Jesus began himself. And I want you to know the 152 missionaries that are all around the world that we support as a church, do you know what they're doing? They're carrying out the very mission that Jesus began over 2,000 years ago to see the good news go out to every end. You know why? Because Jesus was devoted to reaching everyone, everywhere. I'm so thankful for that today. And I want you to understand something, that it's not just about reaching people in places that are easy to get to or that are receptive to hear him. Jesus was committed to reaching the far off, the broken I'm so thankful that we learn in the book of Acts about him being willing to reach even the enemies of God, people that are against him and wanted to kill him and his followers. I think about it today. Well, as we consider the news of what is coming against uh, the church and Christians around the world, the refugees that are fleeing, people that are losing their lives because of ISIS and these terrorist cells that are coming against people, the attacks that have just happened in Paris. Do you want to know something today? Jesus can change their lives. Even those that are set out, hard-pressed to persecute and kill those that belong to Jesus. 
And the reason that I can say that with confidence is that there was a man in the book of Acts that we read about. His name was Saul of Tarsus. He was a terrorist against the church. He had set out with papers to throw them in prison or he was there even as they were being killed. And you know what it took? A revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ to change this man's life. And he became one of the greatest missionaries for God that we have ever seen. Ended up going on to write two-thirds of the New Testament. That's the power of what God can do with a life. Jesus can reach the hardest to reach by his power, by his grace, by his mercy. Back in February, we had someone here. His name was Pastor um, Gasson Thomas. And Pastor Gasson is known, and many of you might remember this. It was a powerful uh, few services we had with him that he started the largest church. It became the largest church in Baghdad, Iraq. And as he was pastoring there, they started to threaten his life to the point where they killed his neighbor and put him in the garage and said, this is happening to you next. He then started to get put on the most wanted list for these terrorist groups like ISIS and others. God protected his life each way along the way and him and his family had to leave and flee and they're now living in Australia. But God has called him and he's going back and he's raising up pastors and leaders all around the Middle East that love the Lord and that are leading churches now. He's going into these areas where people are coming together as refugees and they're hearing the gospel and their lives are being changed and they're going out as pastors, as missionaries, as leaders in the church. And one of them, his name is Omar. Do you want to know what's interesting about Omar? Omar used to be a member of ISIS. And Jesus changed his life. Will someone believe with me that God will start showing up in the lives of these people and will reveal himself in such a way that as they thought that this was what it meant to live their life, they will have a complete transformation in their hearts. And what the enemy has meant for good, God will use for his kingdom's glory. I'm believing for that. I'd encourage you to, to join me in that prayer. As Jesus went around in all those areas, he was devoted to reaching everyone everywhere. And as he went, his motivation, so that was his devotion. He was devoted to, to reaching people. He, was, he wasn't just looking to reach those that everyone thought were good enough, but all people, the whole world, eventually. His motivation was compassion. It says as he looked at people, do you know what he saw? He didn't see the problems. He didn't see their issues. He didn't see what the world sees and even maybe what you and I see. He saw their potential. He saw them not as a person looks at a problem, but as a shepherd looks at his flock. And it says this, that he saw them like sheep without a shepherd. And he was their good shepherd. And he knew that it wasn't just about them having the problems, but that if they had the right shepherd, they could be led in paths of righteousness. If they had the right shepherd, he would pull them aside. He would lead them beside quiet waters. If they had the right shepherd, he could restore their souls. If they had the right shepherd, there could be healing and freedom that could come into their lives. It wasn't that they had these issues and that they were just outcasts. It was that they didn't have the shepherd in their lives. And he saw them that way. And he knew that their lives could be changed and saved. And he looked out over them and he didn't just see a flock, he saw a harvest. And this is what he says to his followers. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So Jesus was devoted to reaching everyone everywhere. He was motivated by compassion. He realized that the harvest was plentiful. The harvest was great. 
And for the harvest to be great, I don't know that we fully understand what that means because many of us are not farmers. But to, to see it in the way that I believe Jesus saw it would have been as if there was a farmer that was standing in front of a harvest. And perhaps this farmer had 100 or 200 acres. In New Jersey, that sounds ridiculous. Um, you say, isn't that like the size of the state of New Jersey? I have like a, a one fraction of one-tenth of an acre of land. Yeah, I mean, imagine a farmer with three or 400 acres or 1,000 acres of land. And could you imagine standing there and it's harvest time? He wakes up and he sees that the harvest has come. And what that means is that all of the fruit is ripened for the picking. Everything that has been growing is ready to be taken. It is there. It is in its due season to be harvested and collected and brought in for the purpose that it was ultimately planted for. And could you imagine what would happen if the farmer looked around and he didn't have any of his equipment and all he had was a few baskets, and he looked to his left and his right, and he only had a few workers, he would realize in that moment, the harvest is great, the workers are few, and what will happen, what's at stake is this, ripe fruit, fruit that's there, that's in season, will fall to the ground and die. Because there aren't enough that are going out into the harvest and bringing back. And he would realize what's at stake, he'd realize there just isn't another such a great harvest. It would be a call for more workers. That kind of overwhelming sense is what Jesus saw. And I want to tell you, it's what he desires for his followers to see as well. See the harvest. See the opportunity. Because I'll tell you what, if the harvest was plentiful then, today with 7 billion people in this world, it's even greater. The harvest is plentiful. There are so many people every single day that are entering into eternity without having known or even heard the good news of Jesus Christ, without entering into a life-changing relationship, without finding hope that comes from the good news of what Jesus has done. The harvest is plentiful. It's ripe. It's ready. It's there. The workers are few. Jesus said, therefore, you're going to pray and ask the Lord to send more workers into his harvest. As I'm thinking about this idea of harvest, I don't have... Um, much farming experience. Uh, I would not call what I did over the summer in my little 10 by 10 foot patch of land uh, farming. It was gardening at best uh, and really not even that. So I don't know what I'll call it. Uh, but a few tomatoes grew, so I was happy. But uh, as I go out in my yard every year, harvest is, is a scary time for me. It's not an exciting time because there is a period of about a week and a half that happens in my home uh, that I wish I could just delete from the calendar. I wish that, that like the whole season, this time, and everything that is accompanied with it would just disappear. Um, because we have a giant oak tree over my house that is actually my neighbor's, and he loves it, and has told me many times how much he loves it. Uh, it's been growing for like 150 years. But there's this interesting part about, I think, why he loves it so much. While it grows up in his yard, the whole thing hangs over my house. And every year, when it's time for it to fall, it's just like, I feel like in a moment, four inches of leaves all around my, my property, all over my driveway, all over everything. And um, I've thought about that tree not being there anymore, and, uh, but I know he loves it, so it's okay. So every year, I have to look at these leaves that are just everywhere. And, I, and I'm overwhelmed by that often, and I've tried so many creative ways. But I think some years we get between 25 and 30 bags of the, you know, the bags of leaves. 
Um, I've learned some ways to try to shred it and do other things to, to condense that, but that's, that's a lot of work over a couple days. And normally I have my wife, Mandy, where we both just go at it. Uh, sometimes I'll call friends and be like, come and help me. Like, I need some help with these leaves. Uh, this year it was Mandy and myself. So I said, all right, we're going to take time on Saturday. It was yesterday. We're going to go out and we're going to take care of these leaves. Uh, one little thing I forgot about, and her name is Lily. And she's at that age where she can't, uh, you know, cook lunch for herself and do all those other things, so she's at our hip. So I thought, this is going to be interesting. So I'm out there by myself working for a few hours, and I'm like, this isn't working. I haven't made any progress. So I go in, I said, Mandy, I really need, um, I really need some help. I, I need us to be able to tackle this together. Let's work on it. So she said, okay. So I go back out, and I'm working for a while, and finally she comes out, and she walks out, and she's not ready yet, and Lily's all bundled up. And she said, all right, well, now I have to go get ready. Here's Lily, and she walks away. And there's this moment that I'm standing in front of all the leaves and I look over and it's me and Lily. <laughs> She's standing there all bundled up like with this snowsuit on. You can take a look at her here. That's her, you know. And I'm like, okay, so now what am I, I'm going to watch her. And so I'm like trying to think, am I going to wait? Uh, and then she goes over and she grabs a shovel and she just starts shoveling the leaves, trying to move the shovel through the leaves. And I just thought uh, in that moment, I thought these are the words of Jesus. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. It's me and Lily, but we're going to do it. We're going to give it our best. Um, and then all throughout the day, we're just having fun out there. And then Mandy came out and we're all working and I'm there doing stuff. And Lily's pushing her little lawnmower over the leaves and we had a blast. Um, and then within a few hours, all the leaves were gone and we're, we're saying praise God for that. But I'm reminded of that very reality of the harvest being so plentiful. And I think about, even as our missionaries serve in the field, I bet you many of them feel just like that. They feel like a little child with a little shovel and a multitude of people that don't know Jesus and have never even heard of him. And they're standing there. And I just had a vision in, in that moment, laughing and enjoying it, and I thought, but you know what? Their father is with them. Their heavenly father is there. And that harvest is coming ripe and many souls are going to come into relationship with Jesus. And, and I just thought, man, I want to pray for our missionaries. I want to pray just like that. Lord, encourage them right where they're at. Show them, although it may seem that there are not enough workers, Lord, begin to speak to the workers and send them out. Begin to train up the leaders. Begin to lead people into relationship with you, Lord God. Continue to meet them. I felt like in that moment I was feeling the very, the very call that Jesus has. He calls his people, his followers. And he says, therefore, pray, beseech the Lord who is over the harvest. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send workers into his harvest. And as I was considering that, I was sitting earlier this week and I was talking to Mandy as I was considering this verse. I said, Mandy, why, why, why does Jesus tell his people to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send the workers into the harvest? I said, it gives me that impression. Like, is it that Jesus is, is calling his disciples to do that? Because, well, you know, God's very busy and, you know, maybe he doesn't know that the, that the harvest needs a lot more workers. So could you remind him? And I think sometimes we think of prayer in those kind of terms as if when we're coming to the Lord, we're reminding him of things that somehow he has maybe forgotten or that he would not be aware of. But Jesus is so specific. The Lord who is over the harvest, it's his harvest. And I just believe that our God who knows all things, he knows how big the harvest is and he knows how many workers are needed for that harvest. So then I'm thinking about the matter of prayer. And church, I believe that prayer has just as much to do with us in our hearts as it does in what we're praying for. 
and what we're asking for. And it's interesting that in both passages of Scripture, here and in Luke, Jesus specifically calls his followers to pray to the Lord of the harvest for him to send more workers into the harvest. And I'm just calling this today harvest prayer. And I want us as a church to learn what it means to pray harvest prayers. The ones that Jesus calls us to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send more workers into the harvest. There are things that happen in our lives that have a deep impact on us. There are things that we happen in our lives that don't have much of an impact on us. They're fleeting thoughts. There are things that come in and out of our minds all the time. And cognitively, we can become concerned about them. But there is a big drop. They say it's the farthest 18 inches in the universe for some people, between the head and the heart. And there are things that can come into your mind and into your head, but have never yet dropped into your heart. And your heart is ultimately, when your heart starts to change towards something, it changes your life. It changes everything. And I believe that when we pray prayers like Jesus is calling us to pray in this way, and that just that prayer is one of the many vehicles that brings something from the head to the heart and begins to change us along the way. The same way that I'll say during missions trips, and you'll hear more about it, many times we go into times of missions work and we believe that as we're going out, we're going to go and we're going to change someone else's life. We're going to change some circumstance. We're going to impact someone. But you know what happens 100% of the time? We come back impacted ourselves. We went thinking we were going to do a great deep work and we often leave realizing the deepest and greatest work was what happened in our hearts as God changed us through it. The same happens whenever you think about your prayer life. As you're praying, as you're asking God, I'm convinced of this, God knows our request before we even make it known. I believe that God calls us to pray as we pray for our sake as well so that we remember where our help comes from, where we remember who we're dependent upon. It's a time of opportunity, of communion with God, of relationship with God. And he taught us how to pray. Our Father who is in heaven, Hallowed be your name. And you begin to pray. And you're not praying for all our own selfish wants and desires. We pray for his kingdom to be advanced and his will to be accomplished here as it is in heaven. We're praying for his provision over our lives. We're acknowledging our dependency upon him and realizing who he is. I think oftentimes we may think we're doing God a favor by praying and by lifting up needs before him. God's doing us a favor, the greatest favor in the universe, by giving us an audience with himself, that we can lift our needs before him, that we can call out to him, that we can know him, that we can come confidently before his throne and make our requests known. Prayer has so much to do with our hearts. And prayer has such an impact on our hearts whenever we catch it. And today, I don't know what the condition of your prayer life is, but I asked the question in our first service and I gave people an opportunity just to be honest and I want you to be honest and I'm gonna be honest as well. How many of you believe that you should be praying more than you currently are? Let me see your hands. Anyone here, you know that I, I, I wanna be spending more time in prayer. Good, uh, don't worry, we have put a special protection that lightning can't strike you <laughs> from, from, from here. But today, I've just been believing through this word that God would begin to change our hearts. It will begin there. Prayer is one of the vehicles that God uses to change us as we're making our requests known, as we are in relationship with him. And there's a certain type of prayer that we pray. We can pray the needs and requests that we have in our own lives 
in our personal prayer time with God and spend time listening, but there's also a time where we will pray for the needs of others. Some others that we, we may not even know. And the term that is used when we talk about that type of prayer is intercessory prayer. Have you ever heard that term? Intercessory prayer literally means that I'm standing in the gap. That's what that word means, to come between, to stand in the gap for them. And as we begin to pray those kinds of prayers, those are prayers that God calls us to pray. They're prayers that we see modeled in Scripture as early as Moses uh, praying for, as early as Abraham praying for others, others that he doesn't even know, standing in the gap for them before God. Church, we have been given that same calling, that same commission to be those that pray, that God will use that time of prayer, and he'll use that act of prayer to change our hearts. I believe there are three things that we will explore over these next weeks that have the impact to change your heart. And today, if you've been praying, Lord, give me the heart of Jesus. I want to see the way you see, and I want to have your heart. It's through the, these are three of the key ways, through our praying, through our giving, and through our going. Those are three vehicles that God uses to reach into our hearts and change our hearts and us from the inside out. And today, we're going to take just a little bit of a deeper look into prayer as one of those key areas. Prayer is, has the impact to change us, not just our circumstances, but we find ourselves being changed through the process as well. I'm reminded of just a few weeks ago, we had something called Service for Service, and that required a lot of prayer. And we had some amazing prayer warriors that were interceding for the needs in each area, and God was answering prayers. God was answering the prayers and sending people right where they needed to be at the right time. Um, he was allowing for what we would call divine appointments to take place, things that are beyond coincidence to happen, and we believe it's because of prayer and because we were lifting up the needs of this house. I want you to know that today and each Sunday and each service, there are teams of people that are dedicated to praying and interceding for you. If you've walked into this building today, they're praying for you. They don't even know you, but they're praying that God would speak to you, that if you don't know Jesus, you'd come to know Jesus, that today if you're walking through something, that God would meet you in a special way. Every one of you that fill out a prayer uh, card and you put it in, uh, whether a blue one or a praise report, every Tuesday and every Friday, a team of people come together and they intercede and they stand in the gap to pray for those needs and call out to God and believe for him to do what only he can do because we believe in the power of prayer. And so this kind of prayer, it changes not just the situations, but it changes those who are participating in the praying. God begins to speak to their heart and change their heart towards other. Am I being clear with you today? Is it making sense? As we look at service for service, as we, we took part in that, many of you, you took part in serving in some different homes. One of the homes that uh, we were able to serve was a gentleman in our congregation. His name is Skip Bissett. And Skip has an amazing testimony of how God has met him, but he also has suffered um, in his life as well and has had some health issues. Eventually, he found himself in a wheelchair and, and uh, Skip is just an amazing man. He, he, I've heard his family say he doesn't complain about anything ever, but he's had a lot of pain and a lot of difficulty. And um, I've just been so thankful for those that have served him and have ministered to him and will not stop praying for him and his family and even members of his family that don't know the Lord yet for them to come to know the Lord or return to the Lord. Well, Skip was one of the people that we identified to serve during service for service. And just a few weeks uh, ago, we had a team of people that were there serving, painting a ramp to help him in his wheelchair get into his home. 
We just received word on Friday that Skip went to be with Jesus. He went and entered into eternity. And as I was considering that and talking to the family, one of the greatest impacts that they were talking to me about continually was the ministry that happened on this day and the people that were there ministering to them and their family and the joy that Skip felt during that time. And I sat with one couple that was there that day and as I asked them about their experience and where they were serving, they were talking about this experience and they began to cry in my office as they talked about this moment. They said the work was amazing but there was a time that we all came together in Skip's living room and we knew some of his family members were there and we weren't even sure if they knew the Lord or where they were um, with that but, but as they were there and as they were were, were together we all prayed and we cried out to God and we enjoyed this time of prayer and they said and through that God just did something in my heart and these people that never even met the man before are now weeping in in my office talking about the experience and now as they're learning and in each person that was a part of that team learning about his passing it has left an impact on their heart because, you know what? God has done something in their heart through their prayer, through their giving of themselves, through their going and making themselves available. God's changed their heart towards him. That's what happens. That's how God can move in our hearts and in our lives. And, uh, and so we're going to have the opportunity as a church on, on the 10th, uh, uh, at 10 o'clock in the morning on Wednesday to have a service here for Skip and a time together with family. And I encourage any of you that know him to just come and be a part of that. There are three ladies in particular. Skip called them his Charlie's Angels. They were here and they would pray with him and visit him all the time and, and just encourage him in the Lord. Never stop doing that. And uh, we just praise the Lord for that, knowing. So I want to tell you, church, prayer matters. Prayer has an impact. All right, we're going to take a look here in the time that we have left at, at some key things that prayer does. It, prayer is not, um, is not just a, a, a noun, it is a verb, it is an action word, it, it acts, it does things in our lives, and there are different acts that, that prayer is really all about, and so let me talk to you about them. First, prayer is an act of faith. Prayer is an act of faith. Prayer starts from the place that we are not putting our trust in ourselves anymore. We're putting our trust in God. So therefore, our prayer is an act of faith, trusting God to do what only he can do. For those of you that have raised your hand and say, my prayer life isn't where it should be, and I know that I should pray more. There are things in your life, maybe you're not praying about at all. Maybe you don't pray at all about the things. And if I would ask you the question, are there things that are going on in your life that are out of your control, that are bigger than you are, that are weighing you down, that if you were to read the Bible and know the Bible, that God has called you to bring before himself. Why are you not doing that? Is it because, number one, you believe that you can handle it in your own strength and power? Because you don't know that God wants to be bothered with it? What's keeping you from taking those things and putting your faith in God? Some of us, we would say that's a lack of prayer. Others say it's a lack of faith. Are you really trusting God to take care of it? Or are you trusting yourself more? to take care of it. And I think often if I were to look into my heart, there are things that as I'm not carrying to the Lord and trusting him, it means that by default, I'm trusting something else or someone else. And many times me trying to do things in my own strength. So prayer is an act of faith saying, God, I trust you. I'm placing it in your hands for you to do what only you can do. It's an act of faith. Prayer is also an act of obedience because God's word calls us clearly to prayer to bring our requests before him, to spend time in prayer and intimacy with the Father, to continue in that lifestyle of prayer. And so if he has called us to pray and said, when you pray, this is how you pray, 
And even in the passage you read, it said, pray to the Lord of the harvest. When we are taking part in prayer, we are acting in obedience to God and what he has called us to do. So prayer is an act of obedience. Prayer is also an act of sacrifice. As we go into prayer, we are choosing to stand in the gap. We are choosing to make our own request and the request of others known before the Lord. And that takes time. And today for many that would say, I, I, I believe I should be praying more. I believe that I should be spending more time in prayer. The reason why you feel that you don't have that time and we feel like we don't have that time often is because there's other things that are important in this life, other things that are going on in the world around us. And this isn't just us taking part in, in things that are uh, unnecessary or wrong, but for some, there are good things that you're doing and saying, I'm, just, I'm so busy with work and this and the other thing, I can't stop to pray in that way and have a devoted time of prayer. That's why prayer is an act of sacrifice. Are you willing to sacrifice even some of the good things for what God would have you to do? And here's what I want you to know when it comes to um, your relationship with God. No sacrifice for God is ever truly lost. There's always a net gain, and it's an amazing net gain for the kingdom um, in your life. And so time that you would take to invest in God's, your relationship with him through prayer will not be a time lost, although it is a time sacrificed. And so when we trust the Lord in that way and pray, it is a sacrifice. When we pray, prayer is an act of warfare. First service got a little bit more excited about this. Prayer is an act of warfare. When we are praying, we are actually taking part in war, not in flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers that are set up against the will of God. When we are praying, things are happening spiritually, some that we cannot even see. And I'll tell you what, when we're not praying, there is still a war that is waging, but I just believe we are not as effective against it when we're not praying. Because in Ephesians chapter 6, as Paul is speaking about spiritual warfare and about these very principles, he's talking about it. And he says this, he says you should be praying, praying continually, verse 18. At all times, praying in the spirit with all prayer and all supplication. Prayer is something that we do and when we're doing that, it has impact spiritually. It is an act of warfare in the spirit realm. Prayer is also one of the greatest things that we'll see out of it is it is an act of love. Prayer is an act of love. And through prayer, through what I even told about Skip and the experience that this group had praying together, as they were praying, love was developing in their hearts towards someone that they did not yet know. Some of you, you have had people on your prayer list, individuals, stories that you have chosen to pray for for a continued period of time. And as you've done that, has your heart changed Towards him, have you developed even a love for the one that you're praying for that you didn't know before? You may not have even met them, but there's a love that God's putting in your heart because you have opened your heart to pray for them, to lift their need, their request before the Lord. We pray for those that we love. Whenever we talk about praying for our loved ones and why many of us pray for our loved ones that don't know the Lord, do you know why? Because we, we're praying for them because they are our loved ones. We love them. We care about the things that matter in their lives and are happening in their lives. And so we pray for them because we love them and we love the Lord and we want to trust that the Lord will work in their lives. So prayer is an act of love. And when you begin to pray for others, I believe that your heart 
begins to change in such a way that your vision for what it means to love others expands. And you begin to see more like Jesus saw. Because he said this, love your neighbor as yourself. And the more that we are willing to pray and engage in those kinds of prayers and even harvest prayer, the more that our vision and our capacity to love changes and expands. As we are taking part in, in our Operation Christmas Child box, as I told you earlier this service, that every box has a name. Every name has a story. Every story has a, there's a phone going off here. Someone's calling someone. Every story is a potential life that's been changed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And as those boxes are being collected and they're going through a process, there's a long process that happens. But you want to know what's a key part of every box that has been packed? That people stand with that box and they pray over that box. And they pray that it will go exactly where God would have it to go. And that the person that receives it would receive exactly what God would have them receive. But most importantly, that they would come to know Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. And they pray that each box is really a divine opportunity and a divine appointment. An opportunity for someone to know and see God's love in an amazing way. And 100 million boxes going out all over the world. God has allowed for story after story to come back. And there's one woman. So it goes through the process here on this side. You bring it in. You place it here. We pack it into a truck. The truck brings it to a big sorting location. They put some more things in there with the gospel. Then it's sent out into a shipping container, sent to another part of the world. And it's opened up then. And the boxes are handed to volunteers and others who are there in that country handing them out to individuals. Okay, that's a process. There's a woman named Connie who had prayed for the box, who had been a part of it, and then one day she had the opportunity to go and step foot and be a part of taking the boxes off the truck and putting them directly into the hands of the children, which is amazing, such a blessing. And one of our uh, high school students uh, a few years ago actually had that same opportunity, and I know it was life-changing for them. So as she did that, God changed her life because there was one box and one story that God was working out well in advance. And it was about a girl named Livia who Connie met on that day. And Livia, now years later, has told her story about how God has answered her prayer. And I want you to listen to this story. It says this, my name is Livia. When I was younger, I always longed for two things, to have my very own hair clips and to be loved. Growing up in an orphanage, I never allowed myself to dream. There was no way I could ever dream because I'd never get any of the things I wanted to get. Through Operation Christmas Child, all of that changed. Before we opened the boxes, they shared the gospel with us. It was something brand new to me. And then I opened my shoebox, and there it was, a big packet of hair clips sitting right at the very top. I couldn't believe my eyes. I thought, how can someone give me something that I've wanted for so many years? Someone far away decided to pack it up, not even knowing someone's dream was about to come true. I took the packet out, I tore it open, and I tried to put every single hair clip in my hair at the same time. Something even more amazing happened. Then one day I was adopted out of that orphanage. She said, my first, she said, I was actually adopted twice. First, I was adopted into the kingdom of God by accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior. 
Praise God. And then I was adopted by a woman named Connie who handed me the shoebox. Whenever you're talking about it, you think you're praying over a box, you think you're praying for just a life or something. And when you hear the specifics of how God orchestrates it, that he would place it into those hands and he would place that prayer into the hand of a woman who through the act of giving it to this child would allow her heart to be opened in such a way that she would see God's calling on her life to adopt this child as her own. She handed it to Livia when she was 12. By the time she was 14, Connie had adopted her as her daughter. Someone tell me that God doesn't answer prayers, right? He hears when we call. And so that happened in her life, and that's just one of the many stories. In fact, if you go on social media today, you could read story after story about children who have received Operation Christmas Child boxes, prayers being answered left and right, coming into relationship with God, experiencing his miracle in their life. A key part of that, at the center of it, is praying. For our hearts to be changed, God begins with how we pray how we're engaging and praying for the things that matter most to his heart. And so today, I want you to make a commitment with me to pray, to allow your prayer life to grow, to make it a priority, to spend concentrated times of prayer and intercession. And during those times of intercession, when you're lifting up the needs of others, I want you to be praying harvest prayers. And I'm calling it harvest prayers because it's just the prayer that Jesus called us to pray, Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send more workers into his harvest. And, and in that prayer and in that time, I want us to pray for the workers that are in the harvest. And right now as a church, we have over 150 missionaries. And, and when we add the organizations, it's over 175 areas that people are ministering all over the world. We have broken it down into these categories. Seven regions. Six of them international and the seventh would be the United States. And in each of these, we have missionaries Multiple missionaries serving, having given up their lives, their families are there, and they're ministering to let people know about the good news of Jesus. They are working in the harvest. And I want you to know something. Jesus has called us, church, to pray for them, to lift them up, specifically calling out for them, standing in the gap for them, lifting up the needs that are in their lives before the Lord. And so I want you to make a commitment in your prayer time as a church that we will pray for our missionaries. We'll pray harvest prayers. And so right now at the end of your pew, would you just grab uh, these stacks and you should see them right where you're sitting. If you're on one of the ends, just look right next to you. There should be a stack of these cards. Begin to pass those down. Make sure everyone can get one um, at the end of all the way through your row there. And this is a commitment for you in 2016 for the next 12 months that you will pray. And you will include in your prayer time harvest prayers. Prayers for the field the area that God has called many people to see people come into a life-changing relationship with him. And so I want you to, to ask the Lord even now, what area of the world would he burden you to pray for? Would you be willing to pray for? Perhaps it's over in Europe because of the, what has just happened in France or God has burdened you there. Perhaps it's Eurasia and, and that's, that encompasses the Middle East and what's happening uh, with ISIS and, and the crisis that's underway there. Northern Asia where the gospel is not open for so many and where many people are meeting in underground churches, calling upon 
the Lord. Latin America, Caribbean, maybe God has burdened you in that way and you would be desiring to pray there. Asia, Pacific, um, uh, uh, Africa, here in the United States, you have an opportunity to select the region or regions that you would commit over the next 12 months that during your prayer time, you will lift up these needs before the Lord and you'll call out to the Lord on behalf of those serving and behalf of the ministry that's taking place there. And as you identify those areas, I want you to know something. Whenever you turn this in, you'll receive monthly a newsletter that is just full of prayer requests specific to the region that you have identified. And that will be monthly up-to-date ways that you can be praying. And church, what would it look like if every single one of us, not a few of us, not a bunch of us, but all of us would make a commitment to walk in obedience and say, Lord, we're going to pray. And we're going to be a church that's praying for the work that you're doing locally and globally. So I want you to make a commitment today that you will pray over the next 12 months for one of these areas or more and include it in your prayer time. Today, if you don't currently have a time of prayer with the Lord, I want that to be your commitment today to begin with. Make a commitment to begin to cultivate a life of prayer, a life where you're calling out on the Lord, where you're trusting him completely with your life, where you're walking in obedience to him, where you're sacrificing and setting apart time. And as you do that, God's going to change your heart. He's going to expand your heart. He's going to grow your heart. On Wednesday night, this upcoming Wednesday night, we're going to have a night of prayer, a dwelling place for um, those that are serving all around the world. And we're going to meet in those very regions. So today, if God's putting it on your heart, I want you to come as early as Wednesday and begin to take part, even joining together to pray for others. I'm going to say a word of prayer for us today. I'm going to ask the Lord to work and allow his word to take root in our hearts. But today, this is your opportunity to respond. After you filled this out, you take this portion and you're going to give it to us. Drop it at, at the door. Someone will be there with a bag to collect them. And here you write down the region and you hold on to this. Put it in your Bible as a reminder of your commitment to pray that harvest prayer. Let me pray for us today. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you today, Lord God, that prayer matters and it changes not just those that we pray for in the situations that we bring before you, but it changes us as a result. And so we pray today, Lord God, and I pray that as we begin, those that are beginning to take a step to cultivate a life of prayer, those that are ready, Lord God, and are going to continue to to grow and expand their time of prayer with you and include concentrated prayer, Lord God, for the harvest that you've called us to, that, Lord, you change our hearts as a result of it. And so, Lord, we commit this to you now. Lord, we commit this time to you. Lord, may it be a time of you speaking to us and leading us forward into your purposes. In Jesus' name, amen.